Welcome everybody to Damage Radio, heard here live on MonkaRadio.com, where music admires me. You already know me, I'm RC, alongside my guest. For part two of Damage Radio, you guys wanted him back so much after the, after last week's interview. The one and only, the play-by-play commentator from the world-famous Monster Factory, and my good friend, Ferran Derry. Ferran, welcome back to Damage, man. The, the people out there, you wanted me back. I, I just have one question. Why? Man, your story, man. Like everything that we were talking about last week, and uh, you draw the views, man. You draw the masses. I, the I apparently radio. bring the masses in. Who knew? Just like you did when, when you and I were doing it every, what was it? Was it Tuesday? I thought it was Monday at the time. Or it might have, I don't know. It, it changed days more than uh, apparently the wrestling landscape as we've got, you know, <laughs> we've got AEW moving from Wednesday to Friday. And I, I mean, granted, yes, that's, that's because of the NBA playoffs go Sixers. But Sixers, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you had you had NXT. They were hopping around for a little bit. So, I mean, it's been a bit of a uh, an event shell game in a sense, as far as all of the different shows and what's not, what nights going on. But I mean, this is nothing new. We had Thursday Raw Thursday back in the uh, back in what was it ninety seven? Yeah, it was February of ninety seven. They had to move it to Thursday because of the uh, you remember the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show oh, on yeah. USA Network. How can I forget that one, man? Yeah, I think there were a couple of raw Saturdays as well in uh, in the late summer, early fall, as the USA Network had to take those two weeks as they had coverage of the U.S. Open tennis tournament back then. Right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is nothing new as far as moving things around, preemptions. I mean, even Nitro had a little bit of that when uh, TNT had the NBA playoffs back then. Nitro was getting shuffled around. Granted. Their ratings weren't exactly the greatest at that point, but you know that's uh-huh. neither here nor there. Right. That was yeah the ninety nine two thousand. Uh, yeah, that was that was when the uh, that was when the wheels were definitely off the proverbial wagon. Right. But you think about it, Fran. You know, you talk about switching things up and all that. You and I, when we were doing damage together weekly, we had a lot of different cast members on damage there for a little bit. There, we had a uh, big daddy. James Brister, mm-hmm. you know, doing it with us, you know, like every week for a little bit there. We had Danny Cage coming up like weekly for a time being. And then Bay Ragney came up for a little bit. And then way back when we had Sean Mitchell, who was a great fan of yours from when you're at um, 1490 WBCB. Oh, yeah, that place. Yeah. So far. No, I, 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 I shouldn't speak disparagingly of it. I mean, it's not so much the station that i have issue with or any of the folks there it's just you know it's very austin mcmahon it's the the one guy at the top that uh you know that that i have the biggest issue with right Um, and so many unknown answers well i don't know if they're necessarily questions that i want answers to because i've got an idea of what those answers are and I, i i would hate for that to be true, even though the ba- in the back of my mind, I'm like, it, it's it's likely true. You know, all I need is Kurt Angle to tell me it's true. It's damn true. And then, you know, Ron Burgundy comes out of nowhere with a steel chair. And, and you know, we, we don't want that. No, I really don't feel like any lawsuits in that regard, because, no. you know, he's got lawyers upon lawyers. And yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's you know he's, he's on the board of directors for SEPTA for crying out loud. So he, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's he's got money. He just chooses very wisely where and when to spend it. Can't bother to pay me minimum wage, but you know he's got money to donate to the local police department. You know, nine days uh, after the murder of George Floyd. So you know, yeah. But that is. At this here point, here. ancient history. It was about a year ago that that happened at this point. So um, Was it really? Yeah. I mean, uh, George Floyd, that whole situation had occurred, I think it was late May of, uh, of 2020. Yeah, May 25th was when he had passed. And then I think it was yeah, like nine days later. So it was around, I think it was June 3rd of last year was uh, when there was an article about uh, yeah about a big uh, donation to the local police department. And mm-hmm. uh, amazing how where he got that money. And that was right around when those protests were starting. So the timing of it was very, uh, very conspicuous. We'll put it that right. way. Or right. coincidental, I guess. Maybe, we'll say, coincidental. So the, the one thing we can trust right now is the process. The 76ers. They're in the round two. Game one, we see a familiar face. Good old Triple H. Did you see that him come out? I saw it after the fact. I will admit that I was uh, unable to watch the game live as uh, I was dealing. Yeah. At that point, I was recovering from a doubleheader of softball earlier that day. Right now, when you saw him come out. Yeah, when you saw him come out, like, I expect it more. I don't know about you, but, like, I expect it, like, kind of when Shawn Michaels and Triple H comes out and they stop and they do, like, the X thing together and the fireworks and all that. Like, and B just kept on walking when Triple H stopped. Like, I was just like, what's going on here? And then, and then Triple H getting behind him pretty close and <laughs> trying to get his arms around Embiid to do the, 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 the X Factor thing. Uh, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, for all we know, there could have been a, uh, a discussion backstage of, you know, for, for Embiid to kind of let, you know, Embiid, you do your thing on the court. We'll let, you know, let Triple H kind of have his shine and moment here. I mean, you know, Trips isn't, you know, he hasn't wrestled in WrestleMania or anything. So he's just trying to get his where he can. Right. But Hey, I, 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 you know, as somebody who has, you know, seen and followed Triple H since he was Jean-Paul Levesque back in WCW. I don't go all the way back to Terror Rising. I know some people do, but, (sighs) you know, I, I, yeah, I know that's going way, way back. But no, I, I, you know, my first glimpse of him was when he was Jean-Paul Levesque. And there was definitely something there. So, you know, and, and there, there's kind of always been, it's crazy to think that that was 27 years ago now. Oh, God. Yeah, yes, exactly. But, you know, you think For those it, unfamiliar, I'm um, enjoying a, uh, I'm, I'm hydrating. We'll, we'll yes. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hydrating with a beverage here. That's right. Now, do you bring Triple H back if they end up beating the Hawks and they go against what looks like to be Brooklyn. I think the, 
superstitious Philadelphia fan goes, well, no, Triple H showed up and they lost that game. Right. So they might be like, I don't know, give us anybody else. Well, maybe not Hulk Hogan, but give us yeah. um Yeah, it won't work out. No, I, I don't know if that's gonna work, brother. <laughs> I don't know. Give us give give us Austin. Give us, I don't know. Um I'm trying to think of who's a Philadelphia EWO? Are they too? Uh... I, I I think that's a little too niche for Sixers fans. I mean, Triple H is a name that has been synonymous with WWE for the last quarter century. While the Blue Meanie is Philadelphia-born, and this is no disrespect to him, I mean, I love Meanie's death, I just don't know if that will get the same buzz with a Sixers basketball crowd. A lot of them might go, who? Almost right. in a similar vein to when the Phillies a couple of years ago did WWE night and they had Ember Moon throw out the first pitch. Did they really? They, I, I know because I was there. I actually still have the t-shirt that they gave away from it, which has a Phillies WWE championship belt drawn on the shirt from like the left shoulder across the chest and down in a diagonal fashion. Oh, man. Now, was there any pop at all for Amber or no? Not really. I mean, this was also, I mean, this was also two or three years ago. So this is when she was still, I think, in NXT. Okay. So like, or maybe had just, just come up to the WWE roster. Or maybe it was, uh, you know, maybe just first was in the Royal Rumble that previous January. So she wasn't exactly a household name, but. When it comes to a lot of these things, I've noticed that generally some of the people towards the bottom of the card, and this this isn't just this way with wrestling, but it's that way with other things as well. You don't normally get marquee names like Triple H to do things like Joel Embiid did. Usually it's your, you know, new call-ups, you know, lower mid-card people. I mean, in some cases, those were people who... At the time, I had gotten on my show, and then, luckily enough for me, they ended up becoming bigger names, like when I had Dean Ambrose on, or when I had AJ Lee on, for example. Um, And then there are some who kind of hang around in that area, like a Titus O'Neil or uh, a Heath Slater, who, you know... now I feel like I'm just name dropping, so I'm going to stop there. I, I I don't like tooting my own horn like that, and I, I feel like I did a little too much of it. So let me uh, let me go before somebody takes that horn, shines it up, turns it sideways, and you know the rest. Well, I'm going to unshine it for a second and and kind of like dig deeper a little bit. Now this was at that uh, at station a little little bit to the left, right? Yeah, three clicks to the left. We we mentioned yeah. it earlier. Yeah. Right. So um. Was it harder or easier to get these names? Well, in full honesty, I kind I mean, other people kind of got that ball rolling, especially with the connections with WWE. One of our sales representatives had a working agreement with the indoor sports arena in Trenton that has gone through a bunch of name changes. So I don't know what it currently is. And I haven't, <laughs> it's, it's cause I also haven't been there in forever. We've had a pandemic going on and uh, going to, you know, 
live sporting events uh, isn't exactly uh, isn't exactly my you know cup of tea necessarily. Right. Uh, I think is it still the Cure Auto Insurance Arena? Sounds familiar. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It. It is. Uh, yeah. I, could you tell I was kind of stalling to do a little bit of research there? That's uh, exactly what Never. I. I. Yeah. I know. I'll. I'll admit it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I knew it as the Sun Bank Center, and some older folks uh, might also remember it as the Sovereign Bank Arena when it first opened back in 1999. Uh, in fact, a WWE event was the first event in that arena when it opened in October of 1999. Really? Yeah. Little now, fun. Did whole... you know fact? Hey, right here live on Damage Radio with Ron Derry. I love it, man. So how did the whole Moxley thing come about before he, he, he got, you know, Dean Ambrose and... Uh, I mean, he was still... I mean, this was pretty early on with The Shield. I forget exactly... See, that's the thing. I've, I've done so many of these. I mean, a lot of it has just been, been certain connections with people. Um, you know, I'd gotten... Uh, I'd gotten hooked up a while back with uh, with Court Bauer, who, uh, as you know, yes. runs uh, well. Now he runs MLW Major League Wrestling. Uh, I think he might have still been with them at the time, or at least just doing some other agency things. But he was also promoting. This was leading into the 2015 Royal Rumble, and he had sent me an email saying, you know, hey, Jim Ross is going to be in Philadelphia, you know, doing his one man show prior to the rumble do you want him have him on as a guest and and i'm thinking uh, yes yes of course right I away will. right yeah yeah no i don't know let me hold out for somebody because it's jr for crying out right Go i got his barbecue in my hand right now yeah jay jim slobberknocker ross himself like of course i'm uh, <laughs> i was honored i was flattered i was trying not to stumble over my own words when uh it, it, but apparently it was so nice that we did it twice. Really? So I had him on on two different occasions. And I think a little bit of that, too, was in the very first occasion. He knew he knew that I was somebody who did my homework because a lot of people go to certain topics that are probably ad nauseum for him. And I think because I threw him a curveball, he's like, oh, this is OK. This is somebody who knows his stuff. And isn't going to just give me the same old, same old questions that I, you know, that you hear time and time again, you know, what was it like at hell in a cell 98 with, uh, with mankind of the undertaker is that, uh, you know, as mankind was being hurtled toward, you know, your table, you know, during your classic line, you know, I mean, people immediately go to that line in, uh, in Pittsburgh from June right. of 98. I mean, that's, you know, by God, it, yeah. or, what is, it? um, uh, he's broken in half. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I was trying to th- think of it a, a, a verbatim, and I couldn't. Uh, it, they killed him. It's got it's his my witness. He's broken in half. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I only have it as a sounder on my Twitch page. You'd think I'd hear it so much, <laughs> but I guess you know what it was. I was watching some WWE earlier with Jr. So a lot of Jrisms are bouncing around in my brain right now. I love it. So now. What is the most time you had with these guys? I know, like me doing it, like when it's not Damage Radio, and I go to conventions, you get like two to three questions with some of these guys. Like, do do you know beforehand, or do you not try to tiptoe to that line but not cross that line? Um, 
Well, it depends on the scenario, and I'm going to circle back just for a moment because I mentioned that I threw J.R. a curveball, but I didn't mention what it was that I threw him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually had asked him about his you know, having a winning record as a competitor in WWE. He is 5-3-1 and one in nine matches in WWE. Really? Yeah, exactly. It was one of those things that threw him for a loop. Like, I don't even think he knew that. And he kind of you know, he chuckled and kind of said, well, I don't think people usually go to me for my uh, my in ring prowess. But uh, <laughs> but no, he but he appreciated that I went that next level and threw a stat about himself that even he didn't know. And he was like, "Ooh, OK, like, like it, I'm sure he was thinking like, all right, this this kid knows his stuff. Right. Could you tell that, too? Like, was there like a pause? Did you ask that question? A slight pause, but 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 I think it was more. Yeah, I, like I, obviously I couldn't see him because it was an over the phone interview. But mm-hmm. I would imagine his eyes kind of widened a little bit and almost a nod of, huh, okay, like like just because yeah, again it's he's just doing the King of the Ring question or like you know the Owen Hart questions, you know, being in the Kemper Arena, you know, I mean I'm, that's one that he gets and he is just bored to death with it. Like he's, you know, everybody asks him that. And those are the questions that I stayed away from. Right. So it made for a much more compelling conversation because I wasn't just playing the hits that everybody, you know, is used to hearing. I kind of went into some of the deeper cuts. Right. But no, to answer your question now, and now I can circle back around here. Uh, as far as the timing, usually in the case of those that are agreed upon with the kind of trade deal that we had with the Sovereign Sun Bank Cure Auto Insurance Arena, usually they would say like, OK, you know, you expect to go 15 minutes, expect to go 20 minutes. So they kind of let you know ahead of time how much time it's going to be. Uh, now, in the case of, uh, for example, and this is something that you can attest to, uh, WrestleMania Access, which actually still floating around here somewhere. I have the oh, actually, it's right here as I'm looking. Uh, I've just I have it right in my poster ball. over here. Yeah, exactly. I've got the uh, the the Access Media Pass from uh, from WrestleMania 29's uh, Access Weekend. Uh, but yeah, it was it was really cool to go up there. But yeah, because they had paying fans who were trying to do the whole autograph thing and photo thing, you got maybe one or two questions at most, especially depending on who it was. Like at that point, the shield, it was literally one question for each of them. Like, I think if I remember correctly, my colleague Mike Samsel, he got to ask. God, now I'm trying to remember. I think. He got to ask Seth Rollins and well, I forget. I think he asked two of them and I asked one of them. I think I was able to get one with Ambrose and he was able to get one with Roman and one with Rollins or something like that. It, right. it, it's been so long ago. But then there are others who, even though we were trying to adhere to the rules, uh, they didn't. And the one prime example of I, that I can give of this and Oh, gosh. He's somebody who I'd love to sit down and have a pint with. Whether you want to call him Lord Stephen or William William Regal. He is somebody who you can ask, you know, how he's doing or, you know, what he had for breakfast. And he'll give you like 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, he can describe like, you know, if he had waffles, he can describe like the, the certain crispness of it. 
you know, the, 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 the flavors and ingredients of the syrup that was poured onto it. Like he'll just go into so much detail and minutia over the most mundane stuff. What keeps and, him around still? You think he's still in NXT as a general manager, but they, he's still on TV. Like, uh, he's got a great mind for the business and he's pretty good on the microphone. Like, right. I mean, those are, you know, what, what has kept the Miz around for so long? He is good on the microphone, right? If people, and I'm going to get one of, you know, I'm, I'm about to become the okay boomer here of this in a moment <laughs> as I say this, but yeah, eh, these kids today. No, uh, a, a lot of the wrestlers today are so focused on the moves and mm-hmm. their 450 splashes and Canadian destroyers and everything like that. But if you ask them to cut a promo, they're bleeping their pants. Right. It's just, you know, I mean, they, they don't realize that. Yeah. Okay. It's great that you can do these moves, you know, once you're in the ring, but how are you getting them to the building? Correct. What are you doing to make them want to see you? You know, otherwise they can just, you know, tune into you know, YouTube and pull up some, you know, Olympic gymnastics highlights from the past or something like that. Cause that's, that's what, right. that's what a lot of these people are doing. Not all, definitely not all. And I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but there are a lot of people who, try to plan a WrestleMania main event in a five minute second match on the card. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, it, it, I just want to say, stop, like just less is more, you know, make, don't open your whole arsenal of offense in one match. Cause then what do they have to come back and see you with? Right. Not a thing. Right. So who helped you? hone your craft of being a radio personality and or did it just come naturally when you first got your, your, your shot? Um, I mean, uh, there were definitely people who assisted. I don't want to make it sound like, Oh, I did it all myself and nobody, you know, there, there, there were definitely, it was people, me. Yeah, it was me. It was me all along. Uh, <laughs> Austin. <laughs> No, uh, I had to, Matt. Oh, son of a... No, I bet. Yeah. Better not. Better... <laughs> Calm be down, Porter. Calm yep, down. be good this week, Burgundy. <sighs> I wasn't going to finish it, and you know that. And you know that. Yes. you, you, you I'm a broadcast journalist. I'm a professional. I know how to do these things. I know how to tiptoe up to the line, but not quite cross over it. Although I got pretty close last week from what I was told. (laughs) Closer than I thought, apparently, but what do I know? All right. Anyway, uh, where was I going with? Oh, uh, yeah. Influences and, and, and people of that nature. Uh, I, one, (laughs) one kind of early influence uh, who unfortunately has since passed was, uh, three clicks to the left. The, uh, the overnight DJ, uh, uh, Nick Cataldi. Um, he was somebody who was funny and just wild. And he almost could have been somebody who would have fit right in on the cast of WKRP in Cincinnati back in the day. Like he really? just kind of had that kind of silliness. Like he was a character. 
the first time that I met him, it was my second day as an extern at the station. And he had stopped in to talk to the program director or something like that. And he was introduced to me you know, as one of the externs. And, you know, he said, first piece of advice I'm going to give you, if you hear a DJ playing American Pie, it means he's taking a bleep. <laughs> yeah. You, you, I'm sure you can figure out what he, you know, what that word was. But again, can't say that on radio. Damn it. You get the idea. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, there, from there, I knew it was going to be a fun time. And, you know, it was always good to interact with him in uh, the later years at the station. He actually was the engineer for Pro Wrestling Weekly. And uh, it was an absolute treat working with him until he uh, unfortunately passed. And, uh, I still miss him. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, he, he was good. I mean, Merrill had a couple of points here and there. I tried not to go to um, when I say Merrill. And again, I'm name dropping a little bit. But uh, one of the you know one of the minority owners of the station and also longtime radio voice of the Philadelphia Eagles football team, Merrill Reese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's almost a requirement. You have to have a Merrill impression when working there. It just it's it's an unwritten rule. Nice. <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, I mean, Merrill, I tried not to bother too much because there were so many people in his ear and a lot of people. They think he's like an immediate in to one of the sports radio talk stations in the Philadelphia market. Uh, yeah, I don't want to this. You know, the two that they yeah. are, you know, they're 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 over, you know, they're they're over on the uh, the other end of the uh, the radio rainbow. But so right. but you you know where they're at. I, I don't need to mention their names. Because nope. I'll probably get bleeped out if I do anyway. And I don't want to give Porter any more work than he already has. Right. <laughs> no, I, I definitely don't. Uh, but no, I mean, he, he was certainly an influence and then just little little snips and pieces of things just of of, uh, of tidbits from people i mean somebody who's helped not necessarily in a radio aspect but more in a wrestling aspect on a couple of occasions is kevin kelly hmm. kevin kelly i i got to work goldie's with best friend huh huh goldie's best friend <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that okay. That popped me. All right. Well, well played. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Ke- Kevin. Yeah. Kevin Kelly. Uh, yeah. The, the guy who unfortunately the rock seemed to make the most fun of back in the, uh, the attitude era days. Um, I don't know if I can use that nickname on here, so I won't because it's a little insensitive in 2021, but it was acceptable 20 then. years ago. Yeah. yeah. It was acceptable right. then. Um, yeah, the the first three letters were H E R. We'll we'll you, know, you can yeah. go and look and yeah, there the, the the Google machine can certainly help you on that one. Right. But no, I mean all, all that said, Kevin Kelly, he's another one. Great mind for the business, amazing when it comes to helping people with promos. Uh, with the biggest thing that he told me was that I've been able to 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 kind of extrapolate is being able to kind of make something out of nothing when it comes to a lot of wrestlers. Again, they're focused on the moves. They don't really think too much about their character. 
And when you say, you know, when I come up to people to say you know, before a show to say, tell me about yourself so I can you know, help put you over on commentary or help talk about you, tell people who you are, they go blank. Right. It's like, you know, if this were Vince McMahon talking to you and he was trying to get you to, like, pump yourself up, would you have nothing to say? Like, not that right. it's saying that I'm Vince McMahon or anything like that, but, you know, this is your chance to, like, puff your chest a little bit, to gloat, talk about how you you know, were a two-time high school All-American or, you know, you, you played college Division One football or how you, you know, you, you studied judo for nine years or, you know, any, any, anything that I can help kind of promote you a little bit and make you sound even better than what your moves are showing in the ring. But they go blank as if they were under the lights of a family feud bonus round. Name a yellow fruit, orange. You know, like 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 that's that, right. that's the kind of stuff that I seem to get. And I don't I don't know I don't know why that is with a lot of uh, of wrestlers, but that that's been something that I've been able to do is if somebody gives me a little, I'm able to turn a little into a lot and kind of expand the story beyond just the chapter one title. You know that that that's. I'm able to take a whole or not a whole chapter, but at least a few pages of the chapter out of just a little bit. That that's that's one thing that you don't get enough credit for. I feel like you have a binder of everybody who has wrestled almost at the world famous monster factory with their promo, with their finishing moves, with who they wrestled from day one to now. And when I yeah, use I mean, it's about a, something, it's a two-inch thick to to burgundy you. binder here. I mean, this is the, you know, I've, I've called it kind of the, the burgundy Bible of the Monster Factory. Now, I, I will uh, I will provide a little bit of a correction that, with the exception of a couple of things here and there, it pretty much starts when I started commentating at the Monster Factory, which was... Actually, when this airs this coming Monday, I'm doing calculations which as of this past Friday will be five years. Wow, man. June 11th of 2016 was my first commentary, my first time commentating at the Monster Factory, and I have been their lead play-by-play commentator ever since. Uh, I might have mentioned this before, but only in that time have I missed three shows on commentary. One of those was when I had like a 103-degree fever and the flu and I still had showed up to the building and they said you look terrible go home and that was when I well I actually ended up going to the uh like minute clinic or whatever it is and that's uh and then yeah and then that's when they kind of said yeah you've got the flu and I and they gave me a prescription for some flu medicine and then I went the heck home Mm -hmm. uh the second was right after I had the double hernia surgery and I still showed up dressed in the suit, ice pack on my midsection, hobbling in. And they were like, what the heck are you? Di- di- no, you're not commentating. You'll pop open the stitches. Go back and, and run the sound. Yeah. Uh, and then the third uh, was actually a little bit more recent. It was actually last yeah. year. I mean, both the other two were back maybe a few years ago. Uh, but the most recent one was March 14th of 2020. Uh, it, that... I just didn't go to the event at the request of my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she kind of was able to read the tea leaves ahead of time and she saw that things were shutting down for the beginning of the pandemic and the factory while they were still having a show and it wasn't until a couple of days later that like the world shut down uh, she kind of saw that before it happened and she politely requested that out of concern for her safety because she had lupus she was immunocompromised she didn't want me potentially bringing anything back that could have done her harm and i said i totally understand that and i went to danny cage and i explained that and he said no problem no heat on you no, nothing like that and lo and behold looking looking back i kind of made the right decision as we found out like a couple of days later that all hell broke loose even to the point the next day, even though I, I didn't go to the factory, the next day, usually on Sundays, you know, my mom would go shopping. And the previous week I had taken her. She at that point had, uh, you know, she she was pre, you know, almost pre-COVID in that regard. She had the mask on. She had the gloves. She had her, her oxygen machine. You know, she was being very precautious ahead of time because she had a feeling that what was coming down the pike was serious. But she saw what was going on when I went in that next day, the 15th of March. I, I still have video on my phone of it, but just the litany of empty shelves because so many people over like the day, day and a half prior just started panic buying. That was when toilet paper for some reason seemed to be more valuable than gold for who yep. knows why. You know, I mean, cereal, the three quarters of the cereal aisle was gone. You know, most of the, the pasta and pasta sauces were empty. Like it, it was just, it, it felt like something out of the twilight zone. It was mm. just so bizarre. And I mean that it's kind of that reminder. Like I, I, I still look at those and I go, wow. You know, I mean, maybe 90% of the bread aisle had sold out. Like, this wasn't just, you know, panic buying before maybe a snowstorm, as a lot of people do. They get their, you know, their bread, their eggs, and their milk because apparently everybody likes French toast. I don't know. <laughs> but no, this was, this was to a degree that I don't think anybody had seen, and I had shown the videos to her, and, uh, you know, she was just as much in disbelief as I was. Definitely. Now, you know, like you said, you do more than enough of your homework for the world-famous Monster Factory Five years now you've been doing your thing. Right now, with the new group of talent there and the talent you already had there, as in the Golden Era, David Bly, all those guys, Royal Money, who do you got your eye on that, that you think's the next breakout star? <laughs> Without hurting anyone's feelings. Well, uh, it went... Oh goodness! All right. Apparently, my uh, my my apparently it happens with every type of video call. You get the, either the the screaming kid or the in this case the whining dog, and that's what's happened in this case here. I'll be done in about twenty minutes, puff, and chill out. <sighs> and nothing can go wrong line. when it's live, right? Even when it's live recorded. All right. Um, who do I have my eye on? So. I couldn't help but chuckle when you had that pause in there because I almost thought that that was a Jim Ross, uh, uh, Pat Patterson kind of dig. Do you remember those? You know, the, the, 
You can explain more. Oh, <laughs> you're going to let me get myself in trouble for this one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, j- before Pat Patterson was kind of, w- before he outed himself to the world on uh, uh, the Legends House for WWE, it was kind of the worst kept secret in professional wrestling of his sexuality, his homosexuality. And JR back in the Attitude Era in 98 and 99 when he was one of the, you know, one of Vince McMahon's stooges would throw some subtle barbs out to the audience, a couple of little wink and nods to uh, various things that he was uh, doing. Uh, But probably the most egregious one was again in the 98 King of the Ring. Uh, Sable had come out to do some ring announcing and uh, I guess she was sent to the back because of course she was popular then and uh, uh, as she was exiting the ring uh, Patterson gave her a little little pat on the bottom and she turned around and slapped him and (laughs) Jim Ross's comment to that was by god Patterson getting a little liberal with the unfamiliar territory (laughs) Oh, yeah. No. I mean, that was just one of them. And then later, uh, I think it was. Oh, that was one of them. It was over. I'm thinking over the edge. That's what it was. Over the edge. Ninety eight, uh, which was the month before uh, when Patterson was the guest ring announcer. Um, that, that was where they had the odds stacked against. It was Austin against Dude Love mm-hmm. uh, for the title. And you had McMahon as the guest referee. You had Patterson as the guest ring announcer. You had Briscoe as the guest timekeeper, you know, all these, you know, all of the cronies were kind of, uh, you know, right there to, to intervene and stack the deck against Austin. So Patterson was, you know, he, he first, you know, he was first announced and, and, uh, Finkel did a whole like lengthy diatribe about, you know, the, the, you know, compared to great Canadians like, uh, like Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe and Ann Murray, you know, like I love how Ann Murray was thrown in yeah, there. The music, there. Yeah. yeah. But then he takes the mic and he he introduces Gerald Briscoe and goes through again this lengthy thing comparing him to you know Jim Thorpe and talking about his Native American heritage and then promotes the Briscoe Brothers Auto Body Shop. You yeah. know, then and gives the address and phone number and everything. And as soon as he finishes giving the phone number, you hear um, you know you hear again Jr. say, "And we know who does the rear end work." Oh, yeah, just just little little again, little barbs like that. And I think then even later, it was more kind of blatant where Patterson was making his entrance for something. And uh, Jr. said he's single, fellas. <sighs> but that was after the 98 King of the Ring, because I didn't realize this as a kid. But again, going back and watching this stuff now, the raw after the 98 King of the Ring Patterson was absent and JR even kind of to a degree mentioned it as he had a, uh, a close, somebody close in his, uh, in his life passed with him. Patterson's longtime partner of like 40 years had died the night of the King of the ring. And yeah. And Patterson took the night off for that. And this was, you got to figure like this, you know, this was a relationship that was going back to like the late 1950s. Which you think in the '90s things were hush hush? Yeah, My gosh, to be able to get that going as a you know late teen, early twenty something, and keep that going all through the '60s, '70s, '80s, and '90s, 
kind of behind closed doors and hush hush and all that type of stuff. I mean, I know that there is a lot of controversy when it comes to Pat Patterson. And I know that while he did a lot of great things, there are also a few questionable things that he did. So I don't want to glorify him too much, but just looking at it from a standpoint as somebody who is also riding the rainbow in that regard, I look up to him, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's somebody who paved the way for where things are today in terms of inclusion and acceptance and and things of that nature. (laughs) All right, doggers. So let's, let's talk a little bit, uh, this Sunday, hell in a cell, not your typical hell in a cell. For all we know right now, there's only three matches on the card. Uh, one being the champ, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair. A new look Charlotte Flair doesn't even look like Charlotte Flair from last year, which probably got some work done or who knows what. But in the Hell in a Cell cage match, those two going at it. Ripley, you know, only 24 years old, I believe. You know, prime of, prime of her career going against Charlotte, who's been dominant for how long now? Many years at this point. Right. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Well, it's kind of a kind of a past versus present thing. I mean, uh, you know, or past versus future. And not not that I'm necessarily putting Charlotte Flair out to pasture at uh, what is she thirty four, thirty five, something like that now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, she has definitely had some longevity, whereas Rhea Ripley is kind of the new kid in town. So it's. Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe this, you know, maybe this could be a win that kind of puts Rhea Ripley not necessarily on the map, but kind of legitimizes her championship and almost passes the torch in a sense. Not that Charlotte's necessarily going anywhere, but you know, she also can help elevate some talent so that way we're not seeing a you know, 60 year old Charlotte Flair in, uh, you know, in 2046. Right. And seeing how the Flair family runs things that could seriously possibly happen. (laughs) Uh, I, 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 she might outlast me in that regard, if that's the case. Right. Now, Uh, speaking of these two, they've been on raw and out of nowhere, Nikki cross comes back and, um, Nikki beats the clock against both of them um, on two separate occasions. Now, do you just like throw Mickey, uh, N- Nikki Cross away now? Is she like done? Is this as it for her? Or what goes, what, what happens to her next? Because she tagged with uh, Asuka there against those two. I, it's hard to say. I mean, you had Aleister Black poised for a pretty big feud and next thing you know he was uh, among the people who were cut so yeah i think sting said it best a while back the only thing that's for sure is nothing's for sure uh, did you hear about alistair black's idea about his stable that he wanted i can't say that i have he wanted the undertaker him bray wyatt and finn as like another like i guess the darkness uh, your darkness kind of thing. I mean, it sounds good in theory, but I mean, I don't know what 
I don't know how all of those roles would necessarily work. I mean, right. Taker could probably be that veteran mouthpiece, but I mean, he's even said his days in the ring are done. Yeah. So, I mean, he would almost be like a J.J. Dillon to the proverbial four horsemen, if that were the case. Yeah. Um, I mean, Finn with the demon thing, that could certainly work. And uh, Bray, I mean, he could also do a little bit of the heavy lifting, literally and figuratively, both on the microphone and who knows what else. And right. yeah, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be against it. Right. But I don't think it's realistically going to, I mean, obviously it's not going to realistically happen, but if it did, I mean, it would certainly get some eyes on the product. Right. And another match we're going to see a Hell in a Cell match is uh, the champion, Bobby Lashley, with MVP in his quarter versus Drew McIntyre. Um, Drew has had experience in the Hell in a Cell before. Um, Bobby has not, from, from my knowledge. What do you think, how that matchup's going to go? Do you, do you see Drew uh, actually winning his third championship? or? I mean, I guess it depends on how long they want to keep Lashley as champion. Because, I mean, one of the stipulations, it's a last chance Hell in a Cell right. match. Meaning that his, his last opportunity at the WWE championship as long as Lashley is the champion. Right. So it's kind of, all right, even if Lashley does win, what do you do with McIntyre until Lashley loses it? And then to whom does he lose it? So, I mean, this is added Brock Lesnar to the active roster. Oh no. Yes. I'm sorry to, sorry to tell you that. Yeah, I truth be told, I have kind of taken a little bit of a respite from a lot of the stuff that's going on currently for a number of reasons. One, I am buried up to my eyeballs in executor of the will stuff with Mama Burgundy with uh, with my mother who had passed back in November. You know, I'm just trying to get the inheritance tax figured out. Uh, you know, that's got to be done within nine months of her passing and. You know, I'm coming to grips with the reality that the house that I grew up in is probably going to have to be sold. Uh, so there's, you know, there, there's a ton of stuff that I almost wish that there was like a, and this is the thought here, if you're listening there, higher ups at Montgomery County Community College, you know, just throwing this out there, maybe some sort of a course on, you know, after affairs of your parents passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can even make a little like one credit deal or something like that, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that people don't know, and maybe that's by design, so that way people have to throw more money than they should at lawyers to figure it all out. So far, I've done a pretty good job, and after speaking with a lawyer kind of preemptively, I think I've saved myself at least $1,000 in legal fees just by kind of figuring it out on my own, but it almost seems like it's one of those life skills that isn't taught in favor of like calculus or something like that, that that's taught to a majority of the people when it isn't necessarily needed by that many. Right. So how do you see that matchup going down? Do you see drew losing knowing the stipulation or do you see Bobby actually going to SummerSlam with it? (sighs) 
I mean, the fact that you mentioned that Braun Strowman's or Braun Strowman, you know, Braun Strowman's gone, but that we'll right. we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, the Brock Lesnar uh, is back on. Uh, I could certainly see Drew winning and then a McIntyre Lesnar rematch at SummerSlam from from WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, that could be another. That that could be his kind of make good for losing at WrestleMania this year, right? Uh, I could definitely see that. Uh, I mean, otherwise, who do you have as an opponent for Lashley after McIntyre? I, I, you know, you can't go back to Braun Strowman. You just cut him, right? So you know, who's your next up? And it really I is just not. don't see it exactly. Yeah. So this looks like it's more, okay, there are definitely more heel wrestlers to chase after McIntyre than there are faces to chase Bobby Lashley. And they've thrown Randy Orton, the legend killer, into like the tag team turmoil, basically, you know, as like a little side thing now. Even though him and Riddle, you know, got, got something really good going on. The good guy, bad guy kind of thing. But, yeah, the, the unlikely pairing RK-Bro. Yeah. And see, Riddle's another one that, you know, I know that my cohort, uh, Mike Samsel, won't even mention him by name because of the allegations that are going on. But he also throws all kinds of vitriol wherever he can. I'm kind of in the middle where, yes, I know that there are those allegations that are going on and we'll see where all of that goes. But there's also a personal tie knowing him from the Monster Factory, having called right. some of his matches, having you know trained with him a little bit. And while I'm not letting that cloud everything and give me rose-colored glasses, you know, it, it, I have to again. I got to call it right down the middle, like a broadcast journalist. It's an unfortunate situation that hopefully will work itself out sooner rather than later. Right. And the third matchup they announced so far for WWE Hell in a Cell is the SmackDown Women's Champion, Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Any quick thoughts on that one? Uh, I mean, it, it's it's still weird seeing Bailey in a not babyface scenario. I mean, you know, I, I feel like. Bailey is somebody who WWE dropped the ball with, but you could say that with a lot of people. I, I think she could have been as popular as John Cena if they stuck to the way that they had done things in NXT. But I don't know. There just seems to be this thing where once they're white hot coming out of NXT, they all of a sudden become Arctic when they come up on the WWE main roster. And that's a huge topic we could talk about for a whole show, basically. And how many yeah. people that they buried? Well, I, I don't want to go as far as buried. And I know that a lot of people use the term, you know, misused or pushed the wrong way or anything like right. that. I mean, I don't know what it is that's being done differently. So I don't want to necessarily dwell on that. But whatever it is, something is being done differently that, yes, a litany of people who were extremely popular and had a lot of momentum going in nxt for whatever reason that momentum seemed to stop once they are on the main roster that's just that is 
not necessarily a criticism of anyone. It's not necessarily any kind of damnation. It is just a statement of fact. You can right. see it. You know, it's something it, it passes the eye test, as they say. Right. Now, Braun Strowman, one of the ones who got cut, um, he doesn't need the money to go to the go go, go to the independent scene. But um, he actually said that he wants close to five figures to uh, be at an independent show or make an appearance. Do you see I, an AEW or like a lower, like maybe a Ring of Honor paying that much for a Braun Strowman? I don't see Braun in AEW. I don't see a fit right there. I, I don't really either. Um, I, I did hear about that, and that's uh, that. That's something that has. I guess been kind of news over the last couple of uh, couple of days, asking for like at least you know ten thousand or, or whatever the the, the case yeah. may be. I don't know the exact number, um, but uh, it's well. I, that's the, I mean the fact that it's five figures. You know, you don't know. Like people assume, oh, it's he's asking for ten grand. You know. What if it's twenty five? What if it's fifty? Right. What if it's seventy five thousand? I mean, I don't see. I don't see a company putting out that kind. Of, I mean, there's no independent company that has that kind of money. Yeah, you know, they they you, know, you would have to book something the size of All Out just to pay him. Mm-hmm. Now. Uh, it, it it's a bit of a it's a double edged sword. Uh, I mean, Strowman was making over a million dollars a year in WWE plus royalties and bonuses. Now I don't know if it's something where he hasn't been spending his money wisely and he you know he needs that kind of money to keep up that type of lifestyle. It's hard to say, but you also you know it's you don't want to put your price tag too high and then outbid yourself where nobody can afford you and then you know then you're still not making any money right time will tell right yeah i mean because i mean but this is i think also just a kind of stopgap because you know with his 90-day non-compete clause he'll be you know he's kind of in this limbo until the end of august and then he can look for a tv deal so maybe this is just to bridge that gap almost like a, a cobra after somebody gets fired but that don't get me started on that <laughs> right. now before i let you go i have to let you do what you do best um macklin just debuted on impact saying he's going to be there very very soon we're going to see macklin at the world famous monster factory going against royal money for the mfp championship mfpw championship could we see an impact monster factory connection here now if Macklin comes comes out the winner, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, I mean, if uh, if you recall back when Mario Bocara and Falaba, the Money and the Miles, when they were tag team champions, they would bring the MFPW tag team championships onto Impact. So it's not completely out of the question. Uh, it's a matter of will they allow, you know, will will management allow that? And, you know, that's not for me to decide. I'm just, uh, I mean, it, it would be pretty cool, but 
you know, then there's also the matter of, you know, how often can he come back here? Because I think, aren't they doing their tapings in Canada or something? I, I forget. Sure. I forget yeah. how that's working exactly now. Right. Or I know their their home base is out of Canada, but maybe they've made arrangements in the U.S. because of the pandemic. I, I know it's a little murky, and it's not something that I've totally paid attention to. Right. Well, Fran, you and I could talk forever, you know, and with your knowledge and your and your your, uh, your stats. It always continues to impress me. But I want to thank you so much for your time. Part two of Damage Radio coming on the, on the broadcast. And uh, any last words for the fans out there? Um. Well, I was going to say, I'm glad to be your in case of emergency break glass guy here, apparently. No, uh, no uh, it's been a rough year and change. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're able to kind of stick with me wherever you can. You know, sticking with uh, with RC here and completely damaged. Uh, make sure to check me out uh, in a different capacity on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Burgundy, or if you want to spell it out, fear on Burgundy. Um, I'm usually on there on a fairly weeknightly basis uh, playing video games. Lately, I've been getting into the uh, retro classic Tecmo Super Bowl for the uh, the old NES. Nice. You know, partying like it's 1991 with some of those rosters. Bo Jackson and... Uh, you know, Dan Marino and, uh, you know, the well, QB Eagles, because little fun fact on this as well. That was actually the first game that had agreements with both the NFL for the likenesses of the teams and the NFLPA for the likenesses of the players. So that was, yeah, so it was, you could actually play as the, uh, gosh, I don't know, as the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and you could use the running back Christian Okoye, the Nigerian Nightmare. Just nice. as, as one example. But, and there are a whole bunch more, but we've maybe got like a minute left at most. Right. Well, Fran, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank our other special guest, uh, the, the the dog there. Yeah, Puffin. She's uh, Puffin she's making herself uh, her presence felt here. Well, Puffin and Ferran, i like to say you've just been completely damaged on MonkaRadio.com, where music and minds meet. Thanks, Ferran. Thank you. Completely tell it! Completely tell it!